unbelievable stuff there from my man Dave. He is an incredible player. I don't think anyone has ever been able to get two alliances to distrust him with one conversation, but the man did it. What happens when two guys used to floating through life? Flirters, you better grab a life vest. Find their calling. Hello? Will? Yeah. Hey, it's Boogie. Hey. Things get lit. Ah! Just had a vision. It's the Real Liddy Podcast with Ryan and DP. We have a lot to talk about. All right, friends. Roman's countrymen, lend us your ear. We did miss a week. That is my fault, guys. Apologies. Work life got a bit hectic and it made podcasting weird. Yeah, I know. It's not an excuse. Uh, (laughs) I take take full responsibility, but we are back. That is right. The Reality Podcast, it it may be gone for one week, but it's never gone forever. Me and DP always rolling on. So before we get into it, we have a sad week on the pod. It's really a, a eulogy pod. A big brother legend obviously left the house this week, making us all very sad. But before all of that, be sure you are doing your due diligence to help us out, support us, because we love to do this. And and as we've seen, things are hectic right now. It's a lot of fun to just kind of escape and entertain you guys with something we love, big brother. So help us out. Subscribe at Reality Pod wherever you get your podcasts, at Reality Pod on Twitter at Radius Ryan, at D-Park OK. Do all of that. We will love you forever. DP, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Like you said, uh, it wasn't, wasn't just on you. I got hit with a freight train full of life this past couple weeks, but I'm doing good. I've been staying on, on top of the Big Brother season, regardless of not potting. So it's been interesting. And, and this episode should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this. We're going to kind of come at it from two different places than we normally do. Um, DP and I both usually pretty plugged in with the feeds, everything going on. This week, I was literally only able, bro, to find enough time to watch the episodes. So I hate watching Big Brother like this because I know, I know that I'm not getting one eighth of everything that's going on in the house. But, um, you know, like you said, life happens. That's what it what had to happen this week. But I hear You've been feeding like a madman, so we'll be able to have a nice little mesh of uh, what's actually going on here. I've been living on the feeds. I've been forcing my girlfriend to watch with me all the time. They're always on. She absolutely hates me. So it's been interesting. We've been, we've been a Big Brother household lately. Shout out Mrs. DP or Ms. DP. Are, <laughs> are, we, not, do you, are we not supposed to put that into the ether yet? I don't it's know. It's currently Ms. MZ. Ms. Ms. DP, Ms. DP, yeah. shout out to her. But uh, we do have some huge eviction night drama that I saw a little bit on Twitter about that we have to get to. But first, what happened this week? Well, last Thursday, we found out Tyler would be the HOH after Twitter drummed up some controversy that wasn't controversy. Tyler did remain intact as HOH, which meant... Unfortunately, we figured we were probably going to be in for a boring week if you only look at things as far as who is going to be walking out that door. We knew as soon as Tyler was installed the HOH, Janelle and Kaser were going to be the targets. And, and DP, there was not really a lot that uh, Janelle and Kaser could do other than straight up win the veto to dig themselves out of this hole this week, was there? No, and that's kind of been both of, not so much Kaser because he's not, 
that much of a gamer. Uh, he's been pre jury twice, unfortunately, but that's been Janelle's claim to fame kind of is that she's this comp queen and she is, and she was, but that's really what she needed to do. And if I'm being real honest, I thought it was an easy enough comp for her to do and she couldn't get it done. And here we are. Yeah. And so we'll start off, I guess, on the Sunday show with the safety suite, just the, the people that were competing in, there's not really any allies for Janelle and Kaser left in the house. And we knew that Janelle and Kaser week one, um, whether you agree with the decision or not, they both used their safety suite to try to ensure that one of them was not going to time out so that someone could achieve safety. No one was playing on Sunday that was really going to help them throw them a bone. And um, so we, we knew there wasn't really a lot of suspense on Sunday, but I have to f- say, I've kind of agreed with Big Brother fandom in up until this week that the comps have kind of been skewed in a way that I feel like it's it's been very, very dis, disadvantageous toward the women of the house. Like, there have been a lot of comps that I felt like really, really put the women behind the eight ball. This week, however, was not one of those weeks. So I wonder if it's a thing that um, it's just unfortunate that it's been three women that have been the first three targets but will level out over the season. And it will. It will level out 100%. And it, I think it is more of an unfortunate uh, thing that it's just been pretty much dominated by guys. But even if it's not unfortunate, I don't want to see people getting mad at the players. If anything, you need to get mad at production because it, it's not like the guys are going to go out there and not compete and throw it to girls. That's just not, not going to happen. It's not their fault that these comps are being tailored to them. Um, so if you're going to be mad at anyone, be mad at production. But I think another thing is that the girls are in good position. Uh, the the top-tier girls are in good position. The ones that we've seen win comps. Uh, Danny was really great at comps. She's in a great position. Doesn't really need to do a whole lot. Nicole F. has won her fair share. Doesn't really need to do a lot. So I think it's kind of just a big jumbled mix of everything not really going their way or going completely their way. Yeah, and I think there's just a ton of frustration because the number one female that most of Big Brother fandom wants to see succeed is Janelle, and she just hasn't won. She's been close, like you said, um, but she just hasn't won, and I think that that kind of – we know that Janelle is incredibly intelligent, and so I just feel like people are kind of hearkening back toward – old school big brother where she could kind of dominate with her mind and her fitness just because she's gotten a little older life has happened when you have a family have kids you're oftentimes not going to feel like you're in as great a shape as you were in your early 20s things like that And that's what Janelle said when she was coming to the house that she doesn't have that same old you know uh physique things like that but she felt like she was still in a position to compete and we just haven't seen her be close hell even in the safety suite she was way off Casey's pace Right. And I know a lot of people feel sorry for Janelle and they hate to see her go, but Janelle knew what she was getting into when she came into the house for a fourth time. She knew that she was going to need to win competitions. She couldn't get it done. And sorry. And that's how the game goes for the queen of Big Brother. Yep. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think some of the pre gaming um, that may have allegedly eliminated some people from the cast, like. I think we would be wrong to say Janelle, when she signed up, she definitely expected some bigger names to also be in there with her, uh, namely a Dan and a Derek perhaps. And it makes it just a lot easier for her because we've had this discussion with Nicole and Ian as only two winners. If you had had a Casey, if you had had a Josh, 
the more winners that are in there, the harder it is to just hone in on you being that target. Same thing with Janelle. If Janelle and Dan and Derek and Paul are in that house, things like that, along with also a Casey, also a Josh, where you've got four winners plus five or six true, you know, legends that have, that have gone wire to wire almost, it, it would have made things a lot easier for Janelle to not necessarily slide under the radar, but not be public enemy number one so quickly. Right. And that's just kind of how it goes when you don't win or give your best shot that first time. Coming back in is really hard. And especially for Janelle, who got third place twice, uh, it was just, it, it was always going to be an uphill battle. Like I said, she knew that. She knew she was going to have to win competitions. Um, she couldn't get it done. And another thing is that a person like Dan could have, I mean, Dan is a huge Janelle fan. Dan is a person that could have kept heat off of her. I'm sure she was expecting stuff like that. So there wasn't a person that could keep the heat off her back. If anything, she was screwed from the get-go when they put Kaser, bless his heart, in there for a third time with them. They're always going to be a package deal, always going to be a huge target for anyone who wants to have a boring week. So it's just how the cards were laid. Yeah, it just makes me think back to, like, Survivor. I don't think that Boston Rob or, like, Parvati are ever going to make a deep run in Survivor ever again just because right. when, when they walk into the game – Everyone, like we saw this, people were in awe of Janelle in the house. People could not keep Janelle out of their mouth. Janelle was perceived as doing all these things, which is why I almost think like the lesson to take from this is if you're a huge name, you cannot, you physically cannot play too hard in this game because everyone's just going to assume, oh, that's Janelle. She's a legend. She's in everything. So even if she's sitting back trying to lay low, like it's just not a reality. So you might as well just get in there and ball out and because I'd rather be dumped because I truly was playing too hard than because then what happened, which was just, there was a lot of, you know, inaction sitting around and people just perceive them as doing it anyway. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, right. It um, makes it just really hard. Yeah, no, I, uh, I totally agree. It was just, like I said, it was just an uphill battle. I'm just happy that we got some really fun DRs out of Janelle and Kaser, you know, as a duo before um, one of them inevitably got the clip this week. And it, it was unfortunately Janelle, but at least we got um, her kind of clapping back at Nicole a little bit this week. We got some of the patented Janelle sass and that Janelle swagger, that Jedi Janie roaming around the house, which uh, we've all fallen in love with over the first three tries she's had at this game. I just want to say, if I wasn't anti-Nicole F before, this week absolutely revitalized my hatred. I want her to be pre-jury so badly. So badly. Oh, absolutely. Like and her... the worst part is that no one has her name in their mouth. I'll just throw that out there real quick. But that, oh my gosh, I'm infuriated, man. Yeah, Nicole F., her uh, putting Janelle on slop or whatever, just the like sass that she gave. And shout out to Janelle for just calling out the bullshit and just being like, just stop. Like, you don't have to play this. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, we all know that you're freaking out about me. You haven't stopped talking about me since you got into this house. Like, just quit it. And, and we will get to eviction night here in a second after we roll through the veto. But uh, do you do you know what got me so bad about Nicole F? You know what what really just grinded my gears more than anything? Go off. Is that I I watched. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm coming for her head. 
I watched all week on the live feeds as she was petty and rude and whiny about Janelle. And then the live episode comes and she's nice. If that's not the fakest thing, she is acting nice in front of the live audience, in front of all the fans that she knows she's getting airtime, but is going to be mean and petty behind the scenes. That's just, that's awful, man. That's awful. I mean, Nicole is, let me choose my words carefully here, because the worst, it's, it's a, it's a fine line between criticizing her conduct and, and, you know, psychoanalyzing things like that. But she, she just comes off as someone who is very easily threatened by other strong females in this game. And it, it comes off as a bit insecure when she is always, always, always has Janelle in her mouth, all this stuff. Every time Janelle says anything, she immediately twists it to, I can't believe she did that. Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, we saw on the eviction episode, uh, Janelle was unceremoniously uninvited to the Franzel Victor wedding, which, honestly, uh, I cannot imagine a more – like a place I would want to be less in the world than in the same room with Nicole Franzel and Victor and having to like feign happiness toward them because I wish nothing but uh, nothing but obscurity for Nicole. I don't wish the worst on her, obviously. I just want her to go away and we never hear from her again. Did you see how unfazed Chanel was by her comment about the wedding? Oh, yeah. People, people thought it would be like this reaction. There was nothing. She didn't even blink. Well, I... Did Nicole think that Janelle wanted to go to the wedding or would care? There's no way. There's no well, way she I, actually thought that. There's a hundred percent. She thought that she's the center of the freaking world, DP. Of course, everyone wants. I, I bet she was like, man, I bet Janelle's heartbroken that I'm not going to be the maid of honor in this thing. Or I guess she'd technically be the matron of honor, but whatever. Nicole F is hardly the center of the world. She's hardly the center of ugly. Yeah, it. It was bad. It was bad. But, okay, before we get too ahead of ourselves, obviously Janelle evicted, yada, yada. Let's go to the veto real quick. Veto, uh, my draft pick, my guy, Cody, with the win here. Do we think this is a problem for Cody or not? Because right now, this week, pretty straightforward. Nothing weird was going to happen in the safety suite with the people that were competing. So, in my mind, and again, this is coming from someone who only had time this week to watch the episodes, but I know how these, week go, these weeks go. When it is so obvious that it's either Janelle or Kaser, and it doesn't really matter if either of them win the veto, because you can put up whatever replacement you want, you'll just send the other one out. Like, it was simply one of those weeks. I feel like uh, the interest in the game this week was probably a lot of shifting behind the scenes in the power alliance. Maybe some lines are being drawn so that we kind of know here in a week or two, once two or three more people get, get booted, that's what the battle lines will be to, to shape the rest of this season. So I wonder DP, is it a bad thing that in a week where it honestly doesn't matter who wins the veto because only one of Janelle or Kaser is going to come off do you want to be the guy to go out there and win it like Cody did this week? It's interesting because for Cody's sake, if you're in an alliance with him, at this point in the game, it's better in your mind to want to be in a strong alliance. You don't want to hook yourself to a sinking ship 
that can't win alliances that that can't win alliances that can't win competitions that can't get power but at the same time if you're someone like cody that is only going to increase your target it it is only going to get bigger and it's only going to get bigger in that way so it's interesting it's a fine line i think it's fine for now but if he goes too many more uh it's gonna he's gonna start getting himself in trouble yeah because i feel like there's two ways you can look at these easy weeks as far as winning competitions go on one hand this would be an easy week to say if i win it i'm not going to get any more blood on my hands i'm not going to make anyone mad and if i'm sitting there on finale night i can sit back and that's one extra veto to my name i can i can make the case oh i won all these competitions even if i won six they're all in the first four weeks that's still a lot more comps than most people are going to win in a season that'll be an impressive statistic but on the other hand on the off chance that the next hoh is a caser is a wild card like maybe a kevin that you don't really know what's going on is it Devon or a Bailey if they don't trust you? That kind of puts you to the forefront of, hey, Cody's won an HOH, popped in a veto, things like that. So I, I just think it's, it's an interesting conversation always to have. I think that at this point in, in Big Brother in the meta, we are in support of winning the first HOH because that's how that power alliance is formed. But that two or three weeks after are always really interesting because it's not always the most advantageous thing to be winning in week two, three, maybe even into week four because it inflates your target without giving you the benefit of people having to come to you to form the alliances and all the information. So just something to track. If, if Cody keeps popping up on people's radars here in a week or two, if maybe it would have been better on him to fade back into the background as we have a player like we'll find out in a minute um who is who is uh doing something they didn't do in their first season and putting some competitions under their belt right like you said the deeper you get the hohs get more and more pivotal and i think the one after this next week is going to be the most important because you have the scapegoat in the other half of jacer um but after that Lines are going to be drawn, so it's going to be really interesting. That person is really going to have to make a good decision. I think that's about the point where you really see the good player start to toss, uh, start to kind of toss that competition to the side. They don't want to win as much, so I think it'll be very telling this next HOH. So that is the tale of Cody and the veto, and then the the other thing we saw on the eviction episode obviously janelle's evicted nine to two we'll get into the hoh here in a minute but the only other thing i kind of wanted to touch on before we figure out a who the new hoh is spoiler alert we'll get to that here in a minute we'll give you plenty of time to tune out if you don't want that plus how we think the week's gonna play out is the drama between tyler and david so Tyler has kept David close. That's kind of one of those low-key relationships Tyler's very good at keeping. And the one thing he said is, David, you cannot talk to Davon, Bailey, stuff like that. What happens? David gets cornered by Day and Bay and absolutely spills the beans, says his information cornered, is coming. F- air quotes. Yes, yes, air quotes <laughs> cornered. Uh, spills all the information, attributes it to Tyler, all this stuff, sowing some distrust within the Slick Six an alliance that we thought was, you know, kind of just just to appease Bay and Day at first, but it seems like Tyler really wanted it to to roll into something. DP, how how big of a uh, wrench did this throw into Tyler's plans here with with David spilling spilling some info to uh, Day and Bay? See, now this is interesting because this was probably by far the biggest 
tilt, I would say, this season. Um, and you miss a lot. You missed about 80% of it uh, not live feeding. Um, but it was interesting because – Well, go, go ahead and, and backtrack here. So what we, what we saw in the episode was pretty simple, just a conversation or two, and, and then Tyler immediately going to the powers that be with Danny and Cody and being like, we can't trust David. He's a rookie, and he needs to be treated as such, essentially. So what all did we miss that led up to that? Was it just a huge building that finally – boiled over like well what happened there so it wasn't so much what happened before but after because you really really see the greatness of tyler after and i it, the show didn't show it but so basically david throws his name under the bus for whatever reason ruins somehow both alliances with himself tyler cody and also dan bay it was unbelievable stuff there from my man dave he is an incredible player i don't think anyone has ever been able to to get two alliances to distrust him with one conversation, but the man did it. He went out. By the way, David's a weirdo, bro. That guy, he, he's he got something's not clicking up there. He's he, just not a great BB player. The way that he talked down to Janelle, and oh again, gosh. like, I, so I'm only reading Twitter transcripts of these conversations. Was Has it been as bad as it, it's, it's looked on the Twitter sphere? It's worse. His, oh, his no. body language just exudes awkwardness. It is, it's, it's terrible. Anyway, so David throws Tyler Cody under the bus, causing Day and Bay to what you would think would distrust Tyler and Cody. And Tyler does maximum damage control somehow gets i to my knowledge gets Devon and Bailey's trust even more um he he did lose what a lot of people thought was a minion in David just because he's like he said on the show he's not going to be able to tell him much anymore but Tyler's game was looking bad there for a while because and I'm not sure if you know this cuz again the feeds this week but there's an absolute cold war brewing between Tyler and Danny um they both have been adamantly planting seeds about each other even though they're in all these alliances together and Danny obviously has the upper hand right now because she has Cody pretty solidly and she has Nicole F pretty solidly who has Ian solidly so she right now has constructed the army to take down what would be Tyler's army but a huge revolving door of this would have been Devon and Bay so it looked there for a while if he hadn't if Tyler didn't have those guys then it was not going to be a thing but Tyler re-gets it he he puts his trust back in there and then he ends up in conversations with everyone about Danny maybe not being trustworthy so it was some of the most incredible casual like two days of gameplay you I've seen in my time watching live feeds and so I kind of wonder going back to Tyler somehow repairing the relationship with Bay and Day so Devon through her years of big brother she has been known to do this little thing where she she basically herself figures out if she can trust people by leaking like incorrect information and just seeing if that gets around the house because she knows if it gets back to her somehow she knows exactly where it came from and who not to trust so i wonder if almost that works to tyler's advantage here if uh, and again i don't know how this conversation goes but if he somehow was able to spin it as look this info i gave to david one of those scenarios where I'm, I'm just trying to feel him out. 
he he didn't get to play much in his season we don't have a lot of info on him we don't really know how he plays something like that was he was he able to try to play that angle and was he able to basically say I know how Davon works so if I can spin it into something that she understands then we can figure it all out here I think it would be silly to say that Tyler doesn't know how Davon plays he is like probably the biggest super fan on the cast that I would know of um normally you would say like Ian but Ian, Ian said he didn't he didn't watch 18 19 or 20 Tyler Friends just seems pretty plugged in too right I just think Tyler he just he knows what's going on you know he knows Davon as a player um so what Tyler did he told Davon that he brought it up to David as in like hey David you should go talk to Davon about it so initially it was like, well, Tyler's throwing Davon's name under the bus, but he kind of spun it as, hey, you should talk to Davon so we can all still trust each other, not as like a throwing under the bus thing. So he spun it really well. And another thing is Cody was all in on this too, and he did a really good job of doing the same thing. Um, he didn't get enough credit on the Reddit or the Twitters, but he did a great job too doing damage control. Cody's pretty good at that stuff. And uh, I think that's an underrated aspect of his game that yes, at times he does um, or he did with Derek react emotionally to things, but once Derek was able to get him settled down and they were able to hatch their plan for the day, Cody is so good at, at just blending in, making people feel comfortable in conversations with him and kind of getting his point across, which is a big reason why, um, I thought he was going to be in a great spot this season, even as someone that'll probably come in as a threat, just because uh, we've seen this with Tyler in his seasons thus far, that even Danny said this at first, which was, you know, I watched Tyler, I kind of understand how he plays, but once you're in the house with him, like he's just a nice dude and, and you like to be with him. Now, obviously they've been in the house long enough that it's come around that both of them are now playing the game after, you know, getting over that first little bit of feeling each other out and get to know each other. But I think that Danny's acknowledged that she likes Tyler, the person, she just needs him out as a player. So that, that's what makes some of the great players so good is, is their ability to just settle everyone down and make them feel comfortable when they're talking in those one-on-one -on -one situations. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, it's completely respectable from both Tyler and Danny's uh, perspective. They're both each other, each other's biggest threat because if you get rid of Danny, you can pull Cody closer to you. You can kind of separate the trio of Danny, Nicole, Cody, Ian's kind of a fourth wheel in there. Enzo, um, if they were gone, would obviously be brought closer. And then on Danny's perspective, if you can just get rid of Tyler, you can probably coast your way to easily jury and maybe even easily a final four because that group of people right there is extremely strong. And Tyler, well, I've said it a lot, but it is an uphill battle for him this season. He is going to, if he pulls off taking down Danny and, and her squad right now, it's going to be a miracle. And so we saw that eviction night went as planned, a nine to two vote to evict Janelle with Danny and Enzo being the only two that did not vote with the group, which we believe is a method. Danny, I saw just read on Twitter. She was throwing this out on the feeds to throw two hinky votes out there, maybe trying to pin it on day and Bay, but Kaser survived. We immediately went into the HOH and everyone um, everything that DP said to this point is background knowledge. It's 
spoilers as far as maybe not being on the feeds, but stuff that's already happened to set up this next week, which we need that background knowledge because now turn it off right now if you don't want anything else. The Meow Meow, Enzo, is the HOH this week? Because that brings me to the next question is we've talked about, you've, you've talked about that Danny and Cody are tight. Tyler has his crew, but the big question mark in all of this is where's Enzo going to fall ultimately? Because he seems to be tight with Cody, tight with Tyler, and the, it, it seems like the, the foursome he's chosen, the one that he seems most comfortable with, doesn't necessarily contain Danny in it, which will be interesting to see if Enzo ultimately is the number to fall in Tyler's camp. It's just so complicated because he's so tight with both Tyler and Cody who are going to probably fall on the opposite sides of this war that's about to come into the house in a few weeks. Right. Yeah. Enzo is a huge piece of this because right now I would think that both sides of what is coming think they have him. So he's going to have to play this pretty Unfortunately, it's going to have to be a lame week from Enzo if he wants to stay in the middle of this long enough to outlast and pick a side. But Enzo's also not a boring dude. I was so. about to say, it, it cannot be a lame week if Enzo's in charge. It doesn't matter if he puts Kaser and Kevin on the block. The number of yo's, all the, the uh, Enzo's HOH room, I'm ready <laughs> for it. Give me all of Enzo's HOH room. Give me everyone interacting with Enzo's family. I want to see him. I want to see his kids. I want to see some emotion out of Enzo, which it's not like Enzo's robotic at all, but I want to see Papa Enzo seeing his kids. I want to see more B-roll of Enzo doing one-arm pull-ups on, on his uh, carport, all that stuff. I'm ready for the meow meow, and I'm ready for a lot of yo's this week. Yeah, and obviously Enzo is not boring in a personal sense, but I am just so tired of the cookie cutter full weeks of this game so far. I need a blind side. I need a back door and I need it bad. I am tired. And if anyone was going to make an early big move, regardless of whether it's good for their game, it's going to be the meow meow. So I don't know. It, it's, it'll be interesting. I think like you said, no matter what Enzo is going to make it interesting just because of the energy he gives off, but we'll see. Now, we know that Enzo has been one of the biggest leaders spearheading the, hey guys, we got to watch out for Ian. He's been, one of those, he's been one of those Ian truthers in the house. Do we think that Ian is truly in danger this week? Or do you think that it's going to be somebody up next to Kaser just trying to get Kaser out, out the, not necessarily the back door, just trying to get Kaser out and worry about everything else later? I think it'll be a combination of Kaser all week up until they have the option for a backdoor on Ian. Just because Ian has, you can't throw him up on the block. He's got, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of allies, but he's got Nicole F who has a ton of allies. Obviously isn't going to want him backdoored. Look, here's the deal with Ian. If you put Ian on the block, you're going to have to deal with Nicole F being in your room every day, all week long, complaining, pitching, and moaning. And that's just not, so, that's not something I want in my life. If, I'm, if I want Ian out, I'm putting him out the back door for no other reason than I just don't want to deal with Nicole, man. I really want him more. <laughs> you <Not> guys. <laughs> oh, gosh. Bringing out yet again the anti-Nicole F pod Look, that we are. I, I think that we just shouldn't even try anymore. Like we, 
we just it's, like her strongly. Like it's right. it's just a thing that happens. Like we don't it's we don't need to hide course. it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. No. I think Ian is definitely in trouble. He said he said it all year. He said it on feeds. He said it on the real show that he wanted to play slow, and it's gonna bite him in the butt. He needs to pick it up this week. This is the week that he said week five or six. It's week four, and he needs to do it. He needs to pick it up. Is it week four? It's week four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm I'm right. I'm yeah. So right. Yeah. We've had we've had three evictions. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Ian needs to kick it in gear if he wants to get anything done, man. He. You know, uh, what, you know what Ian needs to do, DP. What? He needs to get cooking. He needs to get cooking. Okay. <laughs> Dude, that was so funny. One of the most like. Do you think he actually meant that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The show played it off like it was like a joke, but yeah, I think I, it had to have been a genuine moment. I think he 100% just didn't hear like, cause when I, when, when Christmas said it the first time I was like, and then Ian said it, I was like, why are we, why do we have this long, awkward pause? I was like, Oh, Oh, Christmas, but she was cooking in the tanning sense. And right. Ian was just right. off in La La Land, which it just made me really happy. No, that was totally a, uh, a genuine Ian moment there. But um, yeah, I think Ian's definitely in trouble. Another person that, I'm not sure is in trouble, but should be is Nicole F because Enzo has absolutely no use for her and getting rid of her would only pull Danny closer, Cody closer. It would make Ian a free agent. It, it, and I know that this, we've been talking about how much we dislike her, but it would a hundred percent be the right move for his game. Well, and, and that's another one of those things that we kind of talk about. It'd be a resume builder as far as, Hey, there were two winners in this house. I got out one of them and I could have sat on my HOH. I could have just booted Kaser out and it could have been easy. Could have taken the easy road. I didn't. And, and like you said, it's one of those moves that I feel like sometimes there are quote big moves that aren't really that big. Um, things that come to mind, like when Polly was evicted, when Devin was evicted, someone could have like considered that as a big move and really like, they had made themselves such a target in the house that it was unrealistic. They were going to win either the HOH or the veto every week for 10 weeks or something like that. But because you're the person that does it, you get to put that on your resume and say, I'm the one that made this happen. And like you said, it would be a big move with little repercussion. It brings people closer to him, puts one more free agent in the house in case he decides he being Enzo, Hey, maybe I want to roll with Tyler, but we need more numbers. Now you can try to pull Ian in through Tyler and kind of charge Tyler with saying, look, I know that know that our pal Enzo dumped out your ally, but like I'm Tyler, not Enzo work with me and we can figure this out. So I, I and of course, you know, I would love to see Nicole leave right now. So, <laughs> right. It's not the right move right now. It just would be the right big move right now. Um, yeah. Right now, want to take a huge shot. Right. Right. Um, which is not what Enzo needs to be doing. He's in an absolutely perfect spot. He needs to coast right now, but for the for the fans, meow meow. For the viewership, for the entertainment value, please, please backdoor anyone, anybody. If nothing else, I hope we get some legitimate discussion that's not just Kaser and Ian or Kaser and like Kevin for that uh, initial nomination spot. Just because the safety suite is over which is why Big Brother set up this HOH competition to be a, a, 
I don't really want to call it a knockout style competition, but it's happening in three rounds. It's happening in three rounds because on the Sunday show, they have to fill up that time that they set aside for the competition with something else. So we, for it to have a super interesting episode, we really, really need there to be some legitimate drama and legitimate reasoning why it should be someone other than Kaser plus Ian or Kaser plus you know, pawn that's not going to go home, a David, a Kevin, someone like that. So for our sake, for the viewers, give us something like that. Because as much as I love Enzo, the entertainer, Enzo, the personality, I I do appreciate strategic Big Brother play. And I can only get through so many weeks based on the personalities in the house when things are so straightforward. Right. Uh, Now, did you read last night, Enzo saying that within two to three weeks, he thinks his move would be to backdoor your girl, Danny. That would be a big time move. And I, I love to hear that kind of talk, man. I really do. I know that I, I enjoy Danny. Danny is my number one draft pick overall. So obviously I'm rooting for her, but I, I'm not married to anyone in this game. You know what I mean? Like as long as Dan's not in the house, I'm just like, give me some big moves Give me some back and forth. I love it, love it, love it. So I'd be all for that, and that would be uh, hashtag Team Good Feeds. Oh, absolutely. Dude, I would love to see the look on Danny's face if, when she plops her bottom down on a backdoor seat. That would just tickle me pink. You think she would uh, have the Pharrell hat in the uh, veto ceremony? No one is going to be on TV? Oh, 100%. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It would stay on her head from then until she was evicted. Which I know that a lot of people have been poking fun at it. My, my ugly head, I, I could never pull that off. So anything that happens like that, I'm, just, I'm always like, respect, respect. If I need to paint a picture of Ryan's forehead for the next episode, someone, someone let me know. I can definitely yeah. do it. Get a very, very square forehead. It's unfortunate. If my hairline ever starts receding, it's going to be five head territory quickly. So... Right, but um, yeah, I think we have about a 70-30 chance of 70% could be a boring week, 30% could be some crazy stuff go down with the meow meow, so it'll be interesting. I, I just hope that for um, the sake of everyone that's just watching the episodes like me this week, it, in, the, in the space of there not being a ton of drama, Big Brother takes some time to dedicate to setting up for the war that's about to happen, because we really only even if Kaser gets booted this week, only have one or two more weeks of easy, easy targets in the house that haven't really been scooped up by somebody. Everyone else is pretty entrenched. So I'd like to see the episode start painting those battle lines so that we can have, um, I, I just more for like the casual fans, the, the next two or three HOHs are going to have enormous stakes on them. And I just hope that everyone can appreciate the drama and what's going on during those competitions, kind of like the rest of us. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um, I know, I know after waiting all this time, this has been a disappointing start just because all three weeks have been pretty boring, straightforward. We've seen um, two absolute fan favorites that we want to see go far. Keisha and Janelle go out. Um, and then Nicole Anthony, someone that a lot of people had hopes for as, as the bright light of BB21. We saw that her reads were just off and she was just never in a chance or never in a position to really make a run. So I could get how people could be pretty just meh about the season so far, but, but I promise it's about to pick up and, I, and I'm really excited for where this is going. Yeah. Like you said, it, it sucks right now. We've had now three boring weeks could be in for a fourth, 
but that only means that we won't be having these weeks mid-season and late season. From here on out or from next week on out, it's going to be downhill, you know. So, And another thing about Enzo is – All right, Enzo. It's going to be downhill (laughs) from here, yo. Yo, that's it. That's it, yo. Um, But that's one thing about Enzo is that no one is going to tell – no one's going to be in Enzo's ear about anything. No one that's going to have any leverage in that aspect. Enzo's going to do what is best for Enzo and what Enzo wants to do. So, you know, Ian and Nicole could maybe sway each other, maybe even a Christmas and a Tyler, Cody and whoever, but no one's going to be telling the Meow Meow what specifically to do. For sure. But um, I'm pretty excited for this week just because, like, like we said, even if the nominations are pretty boring, I think there's a lot of shifting, a lot of groundwork, and, and we'll be able to tell this week. Another reason why I'm excited is just due to the fact that Enzo's the HOH, Enzo's going to get the lion's share of the DRs, which means we're going to get hopefully an insight into exactly where his head's at, exactly what he's thinking, because he's this last domino. He's the most important piece on the board right now that we just aren't 100% sure. We can kind of uh, guess based on the conversations he's having on the feeds, but we have yet to have just a true one-on-one where he can get into the DR and spill out all of his thoughts and where his head's at for the season. And it was great to see that out of Tyler. I'm really happy because of how the HOHs have played out so far. We've gotten to see that out of Cody. We've gotten to see it out of Tyler. Now we're going to get to see it out of Enzo. And it really helps paint the picture and set up what should be a fun mid-middle uh, portion of this uh, All-Stars 2 game. Right, and that brings me to my last point about Tyler. Just because uh, everyone knows that I like Tyler. If you listen to this podcast, he's one of my favorite players. But Tyler is a huge integral part of this season if you don't want one of the core four to win the whole dang thing. Tyler is going to be the one to do it. I know Tyler's not a Twitter favorite. He's a favorite on Reddit and all those other good places. But Tyler is a huge, huge part of this, and this is a – monumentous HOH for him because Enzo is not going to put Devon or Bailey up because Enzo is pretty tight with those two. And that's huge for Tyler because I think Cody might've done that. I think Nicole would have done that. I think Danny would have done that. So this is a blessing in disguise um, for Tyler and it, it's only helping that army that he's going to build mid game. Yeah. We've, we've been begging for, for years. We want just two warring factions that are on a level playing field. Well, guess what? This is modern Big Brother. You're not going to get that from the jump, but you can still get that in the mid game and the late game, and it is setting up that way. And for once, kind of feels like the physical threats are pretty evenly distributed between the sides, and we could have – we don't have to, to pray for three or four crap shooty competitions in a row to try and get something to happen. Um, it truly feels like this season could go any direction. So these next two or three weeks will be super pivotal, but DP – Life has slowed down for me just a bit after these hectic weeks. Hopefully we'll be able to get together on Tuesday to uh, kind of recap some of the strategy over the weekend as the next, the next 48 hours in the Big Brother house are going to be pivotal in shaping um, these next few weeks that we keep alluding to. Right, and even the season because, like I said, like I've been saying this whole episode, that, that Danny-Tyler war is coming, and right now they're both grappling for position among people. They're both grappling to build relationships quicker. And this is just another domino in a long line of dominoes that's going to pan the season out. Whoever wins that, whoever's closely aligned with them, I think will have the best odds um, of taking it all. So it'll be interesting, really interesting. Look, there can only be one alpha head of hair in this house, 
and as the people with the, uh, the, the two best contributions to the crew, it was inevitable they'd find themselves on, in warring factions here. There can only be one vegan, man. It's War of the Vegans. There Tyler, Danny. One, one vegan, one dominant blonde. That's it. Exactly. Full stop. All right, DP. Shout out to you for keeping this thing together through these tough times, but we will get through it and we will talk on Tuesday. But until then, everyone have a good weekend. Be safe. Love one another. Okay. There's no reason to hate one of each other for any reason, no matter what life, what walk of life you come from. We're all stuck on this rock flying around the sun together. It's going to be a lot better place if we all just come together and love each other. So do that for me and then go ahead and follow us at Realty Pod, at D Park OK, and at Radios Ryan on the Twitter machine. Until next time, we'll see ya. See you.